Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because yep, we're We're going going there. Hello and welcome back. We are in our Fruit of the Spirit series and we are excited that you have joined us again today and we have a fun interview. Yes, today. we are so glad you're here. Will you introduce yourself? Tell everyone who they're listening to. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm Tanya, Tanya Wilmoth. And this is my first time to be with you guys. This is really I, I fun. Know. It's super fun. Guys, Tanya is a fellow podcaster along with us here. She is the co-host of 10 Minute Bible Talks. And so if her voice sounds familiar at all, that is why you should for sure check it out. We'll make sure to link to it because it's a really good resource. We have, so we have a pretty decent amount of crossover with 10 Minute Bible Talks. When we have a truth over Triber, it's like, mm, that's a little bit of a more narrow crossover, but... Yeah, you yeah. guys have had a lot of people from... TMBT on your episode. Yeah, TMBT. Think, yeah. TMBT. Yeah, TMBT. Yeah, give a brief like description of what do you say TMBT is? TMBT, yeah. So connecting the Bible on your way to work, it's not super serious, but it is like, you know, we're studying the Bible and then we're trying to deliver it to you in a way that's like applicable and like devotional and kind of relates to your life. And mm-hmm. Really yeah. digestible. Stories. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. It used to be like a strict 10 minutes when it first started. Now it's more so like, I don't know. Six to 12. Six, Six to 12. Six to 12. A 30 there you go. Minute it depends on where in. you work and how far you have to drive or how long it takes to mow your grass. There you go. Ooh, that's yeah. good. Again, yeah. we live in Columbia, Missouri, where like most places, if you're going across town, it takes like, what, 22 minutes? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, where do you drive that takes that far? Well, like when I drive here to Target, it takes like 20 minutes. Oh, to Target. Or yeah. like you if I, I live off of Forum. If you don't live in Columbia, you don't know where that is. But <laughs> Don't share your address. That'd be sketchy. If you go all the way, like if I have a doctor's appointment out by, what's that side road? All my friends. Keen. Keen. Mm-hmm. Like that takes oh, like that's a solid so 20 away. minutes. Yeah. yeah. That's so yeah, far away. All Everyone of our friends else in, in bigger cities, city. Yeah, they're laughing. like, uh, it takes, this is why, sorry guys, but my husband and I like really don't like St. Louis. We're from Kansas City. We hate going to St. Louis. We have some good friends there. And every time we're driving there, we get so mad because everything takes like 40 minutes. They're like, oh, we're just right here. And it's like 40 minutes. And but we're like, couldn't you say the same thing about Kansas yeah, City? Yeah, you think no, Kansas City Kansas is better? City is like way more like smashed no, together. No, oh, it's yeah. just the area you live in. Because, like Blue no. Springs to Overland Park is like 45 minutes yeah. away. Yeah, but that's like a totally different area than the Northland. We're like in St. Louis, everyone's Are you like, a Northlander? We do, yeah. We do like all things all. I don't know. Something no, about it. I'm like, it's so spread out. I think that it's out. just because you're from that part of Kansas City. So when you're there, all your people that you know and you see are in that area. Like when we go we to have K- some even south, though, or on the Kansas side, like in Lenexa a lot. Yeah. But when we go to Kansas City, I feel like we're all over the place. Oh, gosh, I can't handle. I'm from a small town and our commute was defined by if you hit a train or not, like That's not funny. hit it, but like, you know. like yeah. got stuck by a train. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I'm late to work today because the train came by. Or school. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's oh. hilarious. Well, see, yeah, we're probably too like blessed here in mm-hmm. Columbia that we think 22 minutes is like too much. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it's all welcome. relative. Yeah, we're, we're excited, excited to have you on. Yes, we're excited you're here. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good morning. Um, we talked about TMBT, but will you tell everyone... Your mom, a little little bit about yourself. Your bio, hobbies, kids, family. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, I have kids. I have four of them and they're 11 and 14 and 16. And those three are all girly girls. Girls, they're not girly girls. They're just girls. And then I have a 19-year-old. Our oldest is a boy. So we have a pretty fun little dynamic going on at home. I'm going to tell you something I'm not good at. Okay. Because doesn't everybody tell you what they do? Oh, yeah. Okay. 
I am really bad at Halloween. You know, <gasps> Halloween is coming up. Oh, we Wait, why are you bad at Halloween? Okay, well, you can love Halloween and be bad <laughs> yeah, at it. True. Wait, how are you bad at uh, holiday? Costumes. Uh, what do, you, what do, so what do all your kids want to be? Are they at the age dressing up or they're like, I want to just go to my friend's I'm party? I'm just so thankful they're old enough they're to do their own costumes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can never pull it together. I do not have that creative, like, mom mind that, like, makes things cute and, like, has the cute decorations of the party. I am not. Well, guys, let me tell you that Samantha already has many sets of cocktail napkins (laughs) for this fall season. (laughs) No, she literally goes, I have too many. Like at small group the other day, you were like, which one should I put out, Justin? I I love holidays. (laughs) And yeah. It, it's pretty good. I understand what you mean, though. Like, I'm not creative with the costumes, but we've already, our little group of friends has already planned what we're doing for Halloween and, like, all the snacks and the, like... I mean, my sister, like, home makes all of their costumes, like, is sewing costumes, you know, like, late in the summer to the early fall. And I have now reused them. Like, my child was a hungry caterpillar his oh. first year, and that oh, was a costume cute. my sister had sewed for her child. And I was that's like, so I want to borrow that. And now I'm like, okay, what do you want to be? My son thinks he wants to be a construction worker again. Well, he was that last year. And I'm like, hey, buddy, like you do something different every year. Do you want to be that again? Like he's very into astronauts, very into cowboys. So I was like, you're for sure going to pick one of those. He's like, no, I'm a construction worker at Halloween. Like he thinks that you just be the same thing. Justin was Buzz Lightyear for like six years in a row. So (laughs) you could save money and just have the same costume. Yeah, I'm like, I guess we're going to like cram your feet into these construction boots again because I'm not going to buy new ones. But I'm like, it'll be fine. Well, I just want to encourage all of your moms that aren't good at all of this mm-hmm. that your yeah. your kids are going to be okay, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to love you. Yes. It's going to be fine. But yes. we're going to go to Samantha's house and celebrate Halloween. No, not my, it's, the party's not at my house. I'm just bringing the cocktail napkins. <laughs> and not probably actually. chili or hot yeah. dogs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, go to that's amazing. someone else's house. So that's what that. you're not good at. But what does your family enjoy doing together? Oh, we like to eat. Like, we love eating. Yeah. So my favorite thing is sitting down. It doesn't happen very often, but it's like when we're all sitting at the table and we're just eating and chatting and connecting. doesn't even have to be great food. can be whatever we ordered in. But yeah, we like chatting. Oh, also, you know what I got good at this summer? I got to think of the right way to say it. Because Brayden told me I can't say cornhole anymore. I think it's Ooh, called bags. bags now. Oh, bags. bags! I didn't know that cornhole was out. Like I yeah. knew some people call it cornhole. Some people I think call it's it bags. Inappropriate, maybe. Oh, it I don't is? know. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so we still call it cornhole. We call it cornhole, but okay. we're not. We're not with all the. We're not lingo. with the times. Yeah. probably. <laughs> I'll find out more. Yeah. yeah. But Let us yeah, know. it's fun to play with teenagers. You know, you're hanging out outside, play a it's little. It's so bags. fun. My husband and I love bags. We're we very do. big into outdoor games. We have our so. custom boards. Like I remember when that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they have yeah. to be kind of waxy, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so the bags like slide. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's fun. Yeah, Tanya's bringing a lot of wisdom, and so we're excited to talk today about goodness. Goodness, you guys picked a hard one for me. Well, fun fact, we've been wanting Tanya on the podcast and we asked her, hey, we're doing this series on for the spirit and we feel like you'd be really good at talking about one. Which one do you think would be good? And, and I she said, said, well, I that one. <laughs> yeah, you literally said, well, I think one of the hardest ones would be goodness. We're like, oh, great. Okay, you're bringing on it. Yeah. So then I went home and I think there was an email in my inbox. Yeah. Yeah, hey, we're like, don't, don't even get involved in a conversation on our about our podcast if you don't want us to ask you. To okay, be but on. honestly, serious note, though, I think it's actually good because all of us were kind of afraid of this one. And I'm excited to dig in because I think, if anything, that actually shows where God is maybe needing. Like, we need God to refine us in an area. And we probably are all we got to dig into this topic a lot deeper. And it's probably good for mm-hmm. all of us to grow. Totally agree. Goodness. 
Well, I think one of the things that kind of feels challenging about the topic of goodness or the thought of goodness is like the vagueness of it. Like what does goodness actually mean? Because there's so many different ways that, you know, with some of the other fruits, like I was prepping for our patients episode, like worldly or biblically, it's a pretty similar definition. But what does like goodness mean? How does God view goodness compared to what the world says about it? So how would you describe it from a biblical standpoint? Yeah. Okay. Well, first, can I just tell you that I'm a total cheater? Okay, so here's how. So anybody can do this. You don't have to be super smart, but there's this little app. Have you guys heard of the Blue Letter Bible? Amazing. Like use it every day. Isn't it the coolest thing? It's amazing. So if you just type goodness into the Blue Letter Bible app, it pulls up all the verses on goodness. And so depending on what translation it is, there was like 19, 20, whatever. And so here's what I found, guys. When you look at goodness in the Bible, do you know who it never associates goodness with? Well, I mean, like it never comes from people, right? It's always tethered back to God. And sometimes we show goodness, right? But it's only because we're showing God to somebody or that we're like connected to God. Are we able to have goodness? So it's all about God in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, it's this tension of, I think the world would say, like, we need to be good. We need to do good. And so that puts it all back on this individual person of, like, how can you muster up enough, like, moral goodness? And we'll get into that more, I know, a little bit later. But it is so relieving, honestly, to me that it's like, I don't have to try to be good. I can just let God work in me. And hopefully through that, I almost think of like I'm seeping out goodness. I mean, I would not describe myself as that right now, but I, that would be my prayer. That would be my, you know, it's like a byproduct of exactly who you are. Yeah. And we all know people that you meet or come across in life that you're just like, they're just like a good person or like you just feel that goodness in them. So I love that we can see that tangibly. Yeah. Again, when we were like prepping for this episode, we're reading this Cultivating Fruit of the Spirit book. And I loved one of the little descriptions that said, it says, God is generous and trustworthy without any deception or crookedness. He is like that always through and through like a solid rock and his own character in all of his actions. And so it seems so simple to say God is good. But like, I think people use that in such a cliche way, like God is good. And it's like, what do we actually mean by that, though? That's not a cliche like, no, he's good because he fulfilled exactly what I need. He is good. Like his character is good. He has no like option or ability to even be anything but good which is really crazy to me because we all know like we have the ability to not be good. Right, right. And everything that he does is for our good. Now, I have to say, though, that that gets misused a lot, don't you think? Or it gets like maybe the timing of that gets Mm -hmm. misused a lot and that can be really hurtful. Well, it can be used as like if someone is confiding in you or sharing a really hurtful thing. It's like, We can use that to brush it aside and be like, well, but God is good or God's going to use this for something good in your life. And you're like, okay, well, that's just not we can know that that could be true. But in the moment someone's grieving or going through something really hard, that's not usually what they need to hear. But it's very often what people say. Right. Or what about like, okay, so I got this new job or whatever. And so God is good. Right. There's also that. Like God is good. He gives us good things. Yeah. Like prosperity gospel. Well, I got this because God is good. Why would he not give me something good? Yeah. Yeah. It's used a lot in those ways. For sure. You know, when I was cheating and using the little blue letter Bible thing, one of the things that popped up first is just Moses and Exodus. And Moses is like, hey, Lord, I know you want me to go do these things, but like, 
who are you? Like, tell me who you are. Like, show me who you are. And God says, well, I'll show you my goodness. And I I have mercy on whom I have mercy and I have compassion on whom I have compassion. And so God's goodness is is linked to his mercy and his compassion and his character. It's mm-hmm. very, very cool. Mm-hmm. It's so, it feels so rich. It feels so deep when you actually look into the Bible of how many times it talks about God being good. It feels so like there's so much security. And I feel like that description of like, he is good. You can't be anything but. Mm-hmm. So obviously growing up, we were told a lot of like this be good. If it's like when we first mentioned to this to you, Tanya, you were like, oh, yeah, well, like we all want good kids. You have older kids. That was the first thing I asked you guys. Yeah. 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 OK, well, obviously, yes. Yeah. So you're in a farther along stage of parenting than we yeah. are. And when we started talking about goodness, you were like, well, yeah, I mean, I think of goodness like don't we all want good kids? And so then I were like, oh, man, like we're at a different stage. We obviously have toddlers and an infant. So But yeah, take us through. Obviously, growing up, we hear this theme. We all heard it a lot. Like, we want to do good. We want to be good. What do you mean by that? And what does that look like in defining how the Bible defines good versus like how we think of it as humans sometimes? Well, I remember I asked y'all, like, how does it to have little kids right now and and goodness like is it hard you know with your friendships are you guys looking at each other's kids or do you feel like people are looking at your kids and the choices that you're making what if your kid goes to a birthday party and they walk up and snag three cupcakes and then somebody else's little reserved child over there is being so sweet is that a struggle oh yeah i think so I think that our close group of friends, because we were kind of saying, I guess I'll give some context. Christian and I both grew up in 90s kids, kind of Christian culture homes, like both grew up with families who valued our faith a lot. And it was kind of like this outward behavior of like, you always need to like look good to the world. Like you would embarrass us if you ever acted inappropriately, especially in public, like, you know, that's just horrible. And so I would say that that has changed a lot more in the sense that like, I feel like we have more of a group of friends that like when that happens inevitably at birthday parties or playdates or, you know, at the playdate, your kid comes up and walks your friend's kid. Like, I truly have disassociated any of their kids' behavior with like who they are as parents or who their kid's going to be. Like we have some kids and maybe it's because I have a daughter who has been more challenging in the strong-willed department and like the fit throwing. And But I also know like her spirit and how sweet she is and how much she's grown. And so I feel like when I see that, even in public, I'm just like, oh, mama. Like I, I don't say, oh, mama. I actually hate the mama thing. I like don't know why I just said that. I'm just like, oh, I've been there or I get it. You know, I don't really view that as a reflection of their parenting or what they're doing at home. Is it, you don't feel like that's well, changed? No, I think that's changed a lot in the way. But I think it's easy. Like in I would say so. It's easy with people I know really well because they know me. They know my heart. They know that. But like I'm talking about like when I'm at the grocery store and my kid is throwing a fit because I've said no to the toy. Oh, yeah. Do I feel this pressure from people around me like, oh, my gosh, they're probably judging me because I've not taught my child to be good in the store and he can't handle right now me not buying this toy. It's more of that. It's not so much like at the birthday party. It's not like when my kid hits Emerson or whatever. I'm just like, Samantha knows my heart. Like, I don't feel that reflection in me now, but it's almost weird. It's like with people I don't know as well, or it's like with the outward perception of, we were talking about your son, like going off to school in college. And it's like, oh shoot, like when I'm not around, I want people to see my children and I want, I think it's kind of an issue of control in that way. And what are people thinking of me, right? And Mm -hmm. don't you think it's like a heart check because we don't want people to associate our kids bad choices with us, but we do take credit for their good choices much, much quicker, right? 
So it is a heart check. And those like those cupcake things and like toy crying at the supermarket things become big issues when they're older. And if we teach our kids just to be good for the like whatever it even means for the sake of being good or for not getting in trouble, then their why isn't going to be big enough as they get older. So I don't know, Christian, you asked like, what is the biblical definition of goodness come in and where do we get off on it? And and I think one of the things is that, you know, in the Bible, we already just talked about how goodness is always associated with God, but we tend to take our eyes off of God and start looking horizontally to figure out what goodness is and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Just about all of that, going back to our growing up, it was more this outward thing. And I've seen a lot of people that I grew up with in that same culture that, yeah, their faith or even just, yeah, their decisions. They're like, I'm sick of just being these like little robotic good people because there's no heart impact from that. There's no like, you know, used to our parents probably weren't sitting down as much and saying like, I would ask a lot of times, well, why do we have to do that? Because I said so, which there's nothing wrong with that. I understand different parenting, but sometimes I'm like, well, this is why Emerson, because we want to honor God with our choices. And so we want to do the right thing. And when you're listening to mommy and daddy, you're honoring God in that way. And even not all the time do we have time for those explanations. Sometimes you just need to listen and move on. But there is something that I think has shifted in parenting of like, no, like, when you can connect the heart and the action together, it really makes this more like lasting impact. And even as adults, I think I struggle different personalities of like, I want to be known as a really good person. And so I have to constantly kind of come back to, well, what am I wanting that so that people will look at me in a certain way or because I truly want to reflect who God is through the choices in the life that I make. And so I think that can still be a struggle as adults too. Well, and Andrew and I, I love that you said that, Tanya, because I do think that's so true because I think we can all think about people. And I hope as you listen, you're thinking about people too. Andrew and I talk about this a lot because I feel like there's people in our life where Maybe they don't know Jesus. They wouldn't call themselves a Christian. They wouldn't call themselves a follower of Christ, but they're really good people. And I think when non-Christians look at people, Christians or non-Christians, they're like, that Christian's really not that good. So like, what is the point of being a Christian? Like, that's not good. But I know this non-Christian person who's really good. And it's so interesting to me because for some reason, I feel like we see these good people and we think that people can be good when I'm like, we all know we're like born as broken and sinful people. Like if you're a non-Christian, we were studying parenting in our small group and someone said, kind of used that argument, like, well, all people are good. And we're like, no, I actually didn't teach my like nine month old to hit. Like I didn't actually have to do that. They just knew how to do that. Or like, I didn't teach my four-year-old how to like kick a friend when he didn't get his way. He just does that. And so I'm like, no, none of us are actually just like humanly good it's only because of Christ that we are good. And so like, where are we? It gets so complicated when we only look horizontally to what's good because that good person is going to mess up. They are going to do something that's hurtful or painful to someone else because like, that's just how we are. We are only good because of Christ in us. Yeah, I think it's in Peter, but it kind of like Peter's talking about how we're like people who are full of malice and envy and strife and I mean, kind of going back to what we're talking about, especially when we turn goodness into a comparison game, right? So then we become these envious, like judgmental people. That's who we are. And then he talks about this stone of Christ. It's the stone of Christ that builds us up into what he calls a sure house of goodness. And so it's nothing about us bringing any kind of goodness to the table. It's only about us being part of that stone of Jesus Christ and him putting his goodness 
in us so that we can reflect it. That's like the absolute only source that we have of goodness, don't you think? Well, and isn't that the whole point of the fruit of the Spirit, though? Because we keep talking week after week here that fruit of the Spirit is only a reflection of God's character in us, that we only have these aspects in us because of Jesus, and like because of yeah. yeah, us spending time with him, us knowing about him and him ultimately like being in our heart and mind so much that like the only things that are coming from us are these fruit. But I do feel like it, it's almost like tenfold with goodness because I'm like, we have no hope of being good without him. You right, know? right. So take me back a little bit. You guys are talking about your kids and just if you're not going to teach them. OK, so I hope that if you know me, I hope that I can always say, like, I'm really good at this and I've been really bad at this. And so I have been like in this parenting world, we went through this phase where we basically just said to our kids, you're going to act like a Wilmoth. And like that was our definition of goodness. Like, please, it was, in other words, you hear what we're saying. It's like, just please don't embarrass us. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, thankfully, I think the Lord and really our church kind of transformed that thinking so that we can start asking these questions. Okay. Like why? So now that we have teenagers, they're going to things on their own, right? We don't have complete control of their lives anymore. And so it turns into this question, like you're in the car and you're driving. It's like, hey, you're going to go to this party. Are you going to drink? And if your kiddo says no, okay, well, why? Why not, right? And if your kid says back to you, because I don't want to get in trouble, let me, it's not a good enough answer. I just had chills from that because I'm like, oh my gosh, that's such a, yeah, I've never thought of that. Right. Because if you take that away and if there's no fear of getting in trouble, then then what's the point? Right. Or if you're talking to your kid, if they're dating somebody, okay, well, you know, are you guys going to have sex? No. Okay. Why not? Well, because we don't want whatever consequences. Okay. Well, that's not a big enough. Why? Like if the two of you are alone and you just don't want the consequences of whatever this is, the why isn't going to sustain you and uphold you in those moments of pressure. And it's the same for us. If we don't have a why that's bigger than ourselves, we are never going to hold up under any kind of pressure. I really feel like we could wrap up the whole series. And like, that's, that's so, so true. Good. Yeah, that's so good. Because I think, again, going back to those like good people who we know who are maybe not Christians, we're like, but why are they good? And ultimately, like the real thing is, it's like their why is not big enough that like even those good people, they're going to fail and they're going to fall. And like, because they have no basis for like why they're acting like that anyways, you know? Okay, well, then let's talk about what happens when we do fail. Like, what is God's goodness? What does that mean for us if we do fail? Because we are going to. Well, first of all, we you just talked about we are failures. <laughs> I mean, we are changed. We're made you know, into Christ's image. But what does goodness mean for us when we fail? I don't Damn know. You, you're supposed to come with the answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I no. mean, I think that that's when we have to rest in the fact that we know when we fail, that he kind of fills in that gap and sustains us and that we're never going to live up to that. And so we can, I hate to use the word strive, but we can have that as our our example. But then that's where we rest in his goodness, that we will never be able to be that completely on earth, but he can. And so the more I just want to cling to him, it's like, I know I can't do it without him. I'm going to cling to him so that hopefully that pours over a little bit and fills in my like gaps. I don't know. Well, and talk about the gospel. The gospel itself is that we are all destined for hell. Like we, that is where we should go. That is like our only option because we only are filled with bad things. Like, you know, we are inherently not good, but because of his goodness, because of his grace and mercy to us, we have an option to have a relationship with him. And we have that gift 
to say, no, I can give you a better story like we're going back to. I can give you a better story that is not destined for that, but it actually instead it's destined for goodness and greatness with me. That's so cool. And you were talking about resting in God's goodness. Don't you think we rest in God's goodness more when we fail? Yeah. When we're being bad, quote unquote, bad yeah. people. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's those moments where we know that we have either totally screwed up or we just realize like our motives even and, and just the truth about ourselves. That's when we want more of God and we want more of, you know, I think you said resting in his goodness. Mm-hmm. Going back to how at the very beginning of our conversation, we were talking about how the, the culture or just like people will often use this word like God is good or like the phrase. And it takes me back to that because so often I think it's convicting when you think about, yeah, how do we see that like being used? And I see it when, you know, someone announces a pregnancy or someone buys a new home or gets a job. They're like, God is so good. And I want to be that person who and he is so good. Like that is so true. But he is also really good when you get a cancer diagnosis. And he's really good when your kid is having like terrible tantrums and you're learning about like disabilities they may have that are going to totally change the trajectory of your life. Like he is good then. And I want to be that person who sings that like and who praises and says all of those things about God in those times and the others. Like the other times are not bad to say, yes, all glory to him because we got, you know, he blessed us with these jobs that we have saved a lot of money. and We get to buy this awesome home. Like that's a great thing. That is not bad. But are we Christians who also say that in like the worst in the times that we are like totally broken. And when we don't get our way. Yeah. I love what David says in Psalm 25, 7 about God's goodness. This is really awesome, you guys. He says, do not remember the sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion in keeping with your faithful love. Remember me because of your goodness, Lord. It's like coming to God and knowing that we can come to God. And it's not about okay, wait, have I come to God? Is he going to be ready for me? Like, am I okay enough to come to God? Like, is he pleased with me so that I can come talk to him? But David's saying like, because of your your goodness, I come to you and you remember me. And so what is God's goodness? Well, yeah, it's all those things. It's giving us all those good gifts that we've talked about. It's being with us in those hard times like we've talked about. But his goodness is that he makes us able to come to him, that he's like with us. Mm-hmm. We've kind of covered some of this, but when we can live this way, I'm kind of going back to your question or your thoughts on like the why isn't big enough. So when we can dig deeper and have that bigger why and seek out this goodness that really only comes to us through this abiding in him, how does that change and transform the way we interact with people in our lives, whether that's our kids or maybe you're listening and you're not married or have kids yet, but your coworkers or just people that you come across, like what does that show people? Wow. Okay, Christian, you go first. (laughs) No, the question was pointed towards you. She was actually looking at you. (laughs) Right. How does that change? How? Yeah. How does that change the way we react or we treat people, how we just interact with people? Oh, my gosh. I think that's the hardest thing. And I think it comes back to maybe where we started with, are we looking at life as a comparison game first? So we started by talking about if we look at goodness and we look horizontally, I think anytime we're looking horizontally, instead of looking at God, we just can't possibly treat people the way that shows God's good. Well, I don't want to say that because God can always work through us, but because we just get so hung up on where we stack up with everybody, right? So it's like, you know, we're always like, okay, I want to be altruistic and I want to help someone, but we always kind of are worried about where we are in the mix. And so 
only by really submitting ourselves to God, to God's plan, to God's goodness, to God's whatever you want to put that terms for your life, can we actually just be humble and treat people better than they deserve? Like when somebody hurts us, I mean, treating them better than they deserve, of course, you know, we can forgive, but we can talk about other people in front of others better than they deserve. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's one of those thoughts of like, can we always assume the best, even though when we know maybe it wasn't the best, but can we assume that like they didn't mean to hurt me in that way or that wasn't their intent? And instead of making up all these narratives that send them down kind of like the worst trajectory of like, they're just a terrible person. Can we then come to them in humility and say, hey, that like really hurt? Or can we have a conversation about this instead of yeah, thinking all of the other things, can we actually enter that with humility and kindness and like assume the best? I think that's really, really hard. Yeah. Are you good at doing that, by the way? No, with some people. Yeah. But then AK, no. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, I can do that with some people. I can do that with people I love. Or it's, easy, no. it's easy to do that with like your friends who it feels really like sometimes can feel like there's more instinct than say my husband where it's like, well, I'm going to assume the worst because... You're going to love me and I'm going to love you. But yeah, I don't know. I agree. There's some people that that's way easier to do it with. Didn't you think that we treat people like, okay, when you're good, then I will be your friend or I will give you what you need or I will like meet me where I'm at, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it takes me back to like in my college days and just doing like when I was more so like discipling college girls and things and people just saying like, well, there's no way I can know Jesus or there's no way I can like pray or come to him because I'm such a mess. Like I need to get my life together. We've all heard that. We've Mm -hmm. all heard tons of people say. Or felt that. Yeah. Or felt that ourselves of like, no, I'm not good enough. I can't come to him. And like, isn't that the whole point? It takes me back to parenting again, like. Samantha and I are in the very early years of parenting, and I know we have like forever to go, but it takes me back to like how many times I'm just convicted as a parent that I want my children, even when they mess up, to know that they can come to me and they're not going to receive like a, oh, it's totally fine. You can be mean. No, like it's not okay that we're mean, but like God is good. And therefore, like I know you can do better or like I want to point back to God and saying like yeah that wasn't good buddy it wasn't good that we like hit our friend but because God is with you and I know he made you a kind and loving person we can be kind and loving and so why don't you go say sorry to your friend and I'm like I want to be that parent that points back to God's goodness because like we have no hope in being good ourselves but because of Jesus you can be kind and you can be loving and like I want to remember that myself you make such a good point too because I mean you're teaching your kids Like you can be kind because God is good instead of, I mean, I'll just be honest, instead of like, okay, but what do you think? How did that make so-and-so feel? How did that mom, like, what do you think that Mm -hmm. mom is going to think about you? Or, and I know that sounds really silly. Like what mom would actually say that, but don't we all think that all the time? Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm convicted even in the last couple of days. My daughter is in a just like easier season overall in parenting. And I've just, my husband Samantha's and I- Samantha's a perfect parent. I just <laughs> got it all figured out. So let me just give you my little formula. No, she, you know, there's seasons. We went through like a year and a half of just literally every day, you know how hard it was. But just the sweetness. And it is funny, like, you know, my husband and I were bragging on her because we got this awesome like news from her pre-K teacher. And it is, I said to my husband, I was like, you know what? There we go. All of those times 
times in the past year and a half that we were just so stressed and I felt like I was so hard on her and just always having to correct and redirect and have these hard conversations. Look, it paid off because at school and in front of other people, she is literally this like perfect little and I almost like stopped myself because in my head I was thinking almost like this perfect little robot of who I've like tried to cultivate her to be. And I really have to fight against that. I truly stopped myself and I'm like, honestly, it's probably by the grace of God because I think I really messed up a lot of the things that we were trying to do to correct over the past year and a half. And by the grace of God, she can now like go into the world at her little pre-K and be a, you know, functioning little human. And it's, I I truly had to stop myself because I tend to lean towards perfection perfectionism in my life. And I see the way that I already am putting that on her as the oldest. And I mean, Justin and I were super young when she was born. And so it's a lot of us just growing up and figuring it out too. And just thinking like, okay, when I'm disciplining her, am I disciplining that action out of like, I just don't like the way that that you're doing that and the way that that comes across? Or is there actually something that she needs to be corrected on? Because oftentimes it's just that she's doing something that feels more inconvenient to me or that I wouldn't prefer. And I really have to kind of backtrack sometimes and think, am I trying to raise a little perfect robot or am I just wanting to raise a child that like reflects who God is? And so I've been very convicted about that over the last year or so. Well, and it makes me think of specifically with parenting because that's just where we're at right now. But I'm like, well, if my child knows that they're not good because they're good, they're good because God is good and he is in them and he makes them kind and he makes them loving, then like, doesn't that equate? I'm not saying I do this perfectly, but doesn't that equate that when they're bad, they don't feel like, oh, Graham, you are bad. Like, well, yes, like that was not a good choice. But like you can come to me and you can from your mom still receive compassion and receive grace and mercy because I'm able to give that to you because of God, too. And I'm like, gosh, wouldn't that be transformation like or transformative in communities if because we felt so champion when things were good that we also felt so champion then when things were bad and when we really mess up and when our friends really hurt us, we can still know like I'm going to be met with compassion because I know what they're like when you know this has happened. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm like, isn't that how we all wanted to be treated and responded to? And so like, can't we do that in both directions and probably really cultivate some more like vulnerability and authenticity in communities. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. And you you bring up some good points there, though, because, well, first of all, with vulnerability, I mean, we we can only do that when our goodness doesn't come from ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. When we we're trusting yes, God. That's a better way of saying it right there. Good, no, no, you said it. I like the way you said it. But you know, talking about your kids and then talking about others, maybe if people if people don't have kids, when people make a choice that we don't like or when people hurt us, even if we can be forgiving on the outside, do you ever do that thing where you just kind of like make some distance or you feel that distance and you know they do too. And it's like a self-protection kind of thing. Like, wait, I'm going to be nice to you, but really I'm kind of hurt or I'm upset and I just need a hot minute here. So I'm just going to be distant. And that is so different than what our loving father does. His Because of his goodness his and his faithful love, I mean, he's always as close to us as we need, but it's almost like he's drawing near to us as we are just hurting and flailing and just being total idiots, right? And so... I don't know. I feel that with our friends and with our kids. And the only way to even work on that distance and that feeling in my life is, is again, to know that my goodness only comes from the Lord. And I don't know about you guys, but I think it's a daily, like constant, it must be in our flesh to think that we're good people. It must be 
like our sinful nature that we actually think we're good. And so a constant fighting of that. Yeah. Because haven't you heard people in ways, whether we see it depicted in shows or movies or even maybe in just relationships when someone messes up or like makes a big mistake, it's like, well, I know I'm a good person. Like, it's almost like you're like reminding others and yourself of that. Like, well, I, whether you're thinking that in your head or I've heard people say that out loud, like I've just done this horrible thing, but I know I'm a good person. And it's like, eh, yeah, I mean, we're all kind of not, but by the grace of God, yeah, he, he puts that in us and the last thing I, th- I think I'll say about my lessons in parenting right now is I'm just now realizing, like, in this moment, something I say to my daughter every day that I need to reframe. So she started, like, full-day pre-K this year. So it's only been a couple months I can, like, break this habit. I'm, like, stressing out that I've been doing this. My husband takes her to school every day. And every single day I've been down, she's very big on, like, she has to have, like, four or five kisses, like, hug. Give her a kiss. And I look in her eyes and I say, make good choices and love people well. And I'm like, why am I saying that? Like the love people well thing is good. Sure. We talk about like finding the kids in your class who need, you know, if there's a friend who doesn't have a friend, always look for those people. And that's great. But I'm sitting here thinking like, I'm always like make good choices. And it's like, that's not bad, but maybe I should be reframing that of like, I don't know what I need to replace that with, but that's not, that shouldn't be the goal is just to be making good choices every day. I don't know. Is that bad for a four-year-old? I'm like, how can I reshape that? I don't know. I mean, isn't there some, like, you know, even in the Bible of Deuteronomy, this whole book just talks about, like, reminding over and over, like, put God's laws literally between your eyes. We do have to know. That's true. We do need this obedience. Like, we haven't even really encountered that, like, how obedience can lead to goodness in life. Like, when we are following God's commands and rules and boundaries in our life, like, that does lead to some goodness. Well, and I think, too, what you're also telling a four-year-old, I mean, yes, she is very smart in her four years of age, but also, like, what you're also telling her is, like, (laughs) you know, well, like, I'm saying, well, you're also just teaching her, like, we should pursue goodness. Like, we should pursue to make good things. So, like, I don't think, I I don't think she could probably equate anything bad out of Mm -hmm. that. Now, maybe when she's like 12 and you're still saying like, make, make good, good choices. choices. And if you don't make a good choice, <laughs> I'm not going to love you. Make yeah. good choices. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't I, mean, I yes. think you eventually have to have a conversation of like, why yeah. am I saying that? Mm-hmm. But I think to teach our kids, like we should pursue goodness because God is goodness. So like, I think it's good that you're saying like, no, make good choices because we want to have wisdom and we want to think through things and we want to be kind. Maybe like expanding on that, but like, okay, don't good. Be hard on I yourself. was like having a crisis. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I mean, that's all I'm drilling in her head is like, just be good, be good. Yeah. Well, you know, in that, so we talked about in Deuteronomy, you know, put God's laws before you all the time, have them in front of your eyes. And there's a lot of like law there, but it's all about love. I mean, love is mentioned more in the book of Deuteronomy than any other book except the book of John. And I think that what it's teaching us is that loving God or our obedience is our act of love towards God, right? And so there is that pursuit of goodness as well. That's so good. So yeah, Tanya, just as we kind of wrap up, walk us through, I mean, we've talked about so many examples, but like, what do you think then this like goodness lived out looks like? Like, how do you maybe practice that yourself? Or like, how do we even do that? Oh, man, did you have to ask that question? I know. Um, That's hard. I don't know, guys. I mean, I truly don't know. I think if I was honestly going to answer that question to you right now, I would just have to say, I think it's a willingness to just keep learning, keep like listening, letting people tell you things that you don't want to hear, adjusting. I don't think goodness is really 
I don't know. I just don't think it's anything any of us are really good at. And the more, maybe the more we think we are, the less willing we are to grow. But I think it's, yeah, I I do. I think it's just a lot of willingness to listen, adapt, adjust, be molded, be molded by God and by the people that he puts in your life. I love that. You know, what's funny about this Fruit of the Spirit series is that, I mean, we're all practical people. We all like tangible formula things like we want to take this and do it. And so even as Samantha and I talk about this series and talk about these questions for our podcast, we always want to leave you as our listeners in this community just with like, okay, practical, what do we do? And I actually love the like irony in that, though, because there's really no practical other than like the practical is Jesus abide yeah, and abiding with Jesus. And, read your Bible. Yeah. Read your Bible. Learn with him. Grow with him. But I just think it's fun because every time we get to this question, every time we talk about it or an interviewee is like, I don't really know. And I'm like, I think that's kind of the whole point. <laughs> right. I think the whole point is like, no, there's actually no practical to do. We always want something to do, but it's really just spending time with Jesus. And that, knowing I love more the about way him. you said that. Yeah. I love that word abide too. That's really cool. So good. We really appreciate your time. Can't believe it's taken Aww, us this long to have guys. you. On. Thanks for the coffee. Oh, oh my gosh. Gosh. Of course. Love yes. the girl chat. Hope time. you guys have enjoyed, and we'll make sure to link Tenement Bible Talks and the Blue Letter Bible. We've probably never talked about that on here, but it's an I feel awesome like we resource. Have once or twice. So Maybe. the BLB. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll make sure stuff. to link all of that so you guys can learn more. There we go. Sweet. See ya. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.